Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Tech People. Today, we have a fantastic podcast for the customer experience leaders out there. Our guest is Yap Williams, who is a well-known thought leader with over 23 years experience in CX. He is accredited by the Customer Experience Professionals Association, hosts popular CX masterclasses, provides lectures, as well as speaking on the Forrester podcast. Yap shares a passionate insight on the pitfalls within CX. As a CX leader, are you taking on the entire scope of being in CX? Are you aligned to the strategy of the company as CX needs to be a translation of this? Are you taking note of the latest trends and what is the risk or benefit to your business? Are you communicating your story well internally? To discuss this and more, let's get Yap on the show. Welcome to the show, Yap. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. And great to have someone with your expertise on the show. Looking forward to learning all about your experiences in CX. But before we go there, I always ask my guests a bit about themselves. So if you could maybe give us a short intro on maybe who you are and what's your current role, please. All right. I'm Yap Wilms, founder and owner of my company, Wilms & Co. And basically, we're doing only two things. The first thing we do is masterclasses. And we've got masterclasses on three topics. One is on customer experience, CX. The second one is on the Net Promoter Score, MPS. And the third one is about business storytelling. And those masterclasses, they are really cool. I give them all over the world. So I fly out to Singapore, to Seattle, to Johannesburg, to Dubai to give the masterclasses live. Or I invite people to come over to the beautiful city of Delft in the Netherlands, (laughs) where I'm based. And those are really cool. Those are really, really fun masterclasses. Two days, really intense. The other thing I'm doing is I'm a sparring partner. And I hate the term consultant. It really doesn't reflect what I'm doing. I'm usually engaging with big corporate companies that have their CX rollouts, for instance, across multiple silos, multiple countries even. And usually the board or the executive management or and specifically the program managers, they feel rather alone because they are the ones in the company with the most knowledge. But it's really good to have someone to spar with. And that is me. In the background, I am advising them. I'm helping them anything from strategy to road mapping to specific topics so they can shine. Apart from that, that's the two things I do. Apart from that, I'm also a guest lecturer at some universities, give some keynotes on stage, and the offbeat podcast like we're doing right now, Ken. Excellent. Fantastic, yeah. And I must say, I'm very excited to be attending your masterclass in January in your hometown. So that should should be fun. Really excited about that one. And um, listen, purpose of the call today is really is, 
let's learn from your experience, like you mentioned there, that you, you deal with a lot of CX leaders uh, and the challenges they're facing. Today, I would love maybe to delve into the whole area of pitfalls. What do you see in your experience are the customer experience pitfalls? Well, there are numerous pitfalls, of course. I mean, CX is kind of hard. It's kind of a young profession, still shaping up. Well, there is one thing I definitely see, and that is that most CX professionals don't take on the entire scope of what it means to be in CX. Um, saying that I see a lot of people that are really good and they are extremely clever in making analysis, really thorough analysis, or they're engaging in uh, surveys and feedback, that kind of stuff. And they're making the most beautiful insights and beautiful reports, or they're designing a customer journey, giving fantastic workshops. But it's amazing. <laughs> well, no. Well, actually, it's those are the usual bits, and okay. they are rather standalone for the rest of the organization. It is really difficult to prove why CX is worth it. What is the value of it? And as soon as you stick to your one trick thing that you do, only giving customer journey sessions, you're not cutting it. What okay. I see is people need to get everything aboard, uh, starting with the strategy of the company. What is the strategy? What are the KPIs? What are the goals and the ambitions and the aspirations that the board has set out for their company? Because CX needs to be a translation of that. You're not just going to improve the experiences of customers. No, it has to align to the strategy, to the corporate strategy. If I take one step further back, you've got a whole world outside. And I think it's the role of the CX professional to know what's going on on the outside. Uh, there is a continuous changing customer expectations, uh, customer behavior. There are new trends popping up every time, every day, all over the world. And for a CX professional, you have to weigh them. You have to recognize them. And to spot, is this a risk to the corporate strategy? And do I need to mitigate it by designing different experiences? Or maybe there are opportunities. And do I need to act upon them because it will propel our strategy and our goals way faster? So it's only those two steps, the world around us and the corporate strategy that I often find lacking. But if you do that, if you take that as your start point, and you add all the insights of your customers and of your potential customers. And I love this bit very much because this bit is all about diving into the human psyche. What makes people take? What makes customers react or act the way they do? Because if you ask them, they will give completely different answers. And that whole irrational aspect of how people behave and, and you can, you yourself, you will talk completely different to me and make different decisions on a Monday morning, especially when you had a, I don't know, <laughs> some activities in your local town that yeah. weekend, as you would do on a Thursday afternoon, as you would do on a Friday at four o'clock because you want yeah. to go to the pub or whatever. Those dimensions of human behavior, that's all captured in insights. And only if you understand that, you can go to the next phase, which is 
how are you going to capture that? And this is the whole realm of metrics. And you have to align them with the KPIs, of course, but it's really a conscious choice for you to make. Are you going to go for MPS? Are you going to go for the customer effort score? Maybe sometimes CSAT is easier. You have to somehow build up a framework of how you are going to capture what's going on. How are you going to capture your performance? And only then okay. you start, if you know all that, you're going to start changing things. So this is the time when customer journeys come to play. What can you design? What can you tweak? What interventions in your interactions with your customers can you make? And I don't want to ramble on. No, no. This, this is the whole bit that I find lacking. And now, if you thought you've heard it all, now comes the biggest stumbling block, which is you figured everything I just said. You figured everything out. And you've got the truth. You have got the truth in your hands. And then it is the time to convince the rest of the organization, which isn't that skilled and versatile in what you as you are. How do you convince the organization? Because being right doesn't mean people are going to sway and tell you you are right. You are not going to get the budget just by presenting mere data or some report. Now you have to build a storyline so you can get the budget, so you can convince others to adopt and embrace that change that you want. Yep. That you, whole bit, if, okay. if you listen to me for, for the past five minutes, that whole bit is really a lengthy process, but I do yes. think it is what a CX professional ought to do. And just a couple of quick, because you covered a number of points there and very good points. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just break it down a bit? So first of all, you know, you mentioned about the organization and you mentioned, yeah. so we were talking really here. Is it about the board? The company, the board of the company and selling to the board of the company. So there is a certain, are there certain departments that have more sway, do you think, in terms of persuading them versus other well, senior management? Well, uh, I mean, if you are a CX leader, if you are yeah. a program manager or you are the owner, you have to get your clear storyline out there and you have to adapt it to the different audiences. You're not going to talk and present your case to the IT department in the same way as you would do to the first line, the contact center, as you yes. would do to marketing and product marketing. So every single audience has got their own unique angles, interests, yeah. and ambitions, and you have to uh, make use of that. So you have to change the story depending on the audience you're speaking to. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, recently I saw a presentation at a client of mine, and it was a one-off presentation. They were presenting something to the board and it included all sorts of digital data landscapes and flowcharts. Well, I could see everyone's eyes glaze over. Of course, you're not going to do that. I mean, if yeah. you present to the board, you are talking in the language of the board and you, you hit the notes that they find interesting. And this is a very... I think a very funny mistake a lot of people are making. A lot of people think they are in the business of telling the truth. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I would always say I'm in the business of creating a movement. And if I have to bend the truth just a bit for that, I mean, I don't care. I'm not talking about straight out lying here, but you 
you remember that you've been in those situations that you see a presentation, especially data analysts are really good at that. And they will come up on stage and they will say 82.17% of all the red-haired people in the east of the country in, I don't know, eight brackets, <laughs> 35 to 49, they say X. Well, everyone is dozed off. If I'm on stage, I will say 80% of all our customers say X. We need to move. We need to change it. Come on, let's go. Yeah. And yeah, everyone okay. will move. And I've got faith in humanity that whilst they're moving and figuring out what to do, they will also figure out it's not 80%, but 82%, and only the red-haired people in a certain age bracket. <laughs> but I got them moving. Yeah, okay. I get the picture. Yeah. But going, yeah, but, go, but going back onto that, because there's a number of other points you mentioned even before you get to that stage of the board, is one, you know, how do you capture the data? And then how do you measure it? Because you mentioned, yeah. you know, do you do CSAT, NPS? In your experience, how do you go about addressing those points? Oh, that's a difficult one. It really, really depends. That's such a consulting answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really depends on okay, fair enough. what you want to capture. I, I Let me put it like this. Yeah. Huge fan of the customer effort score. And that measures how much effort did you have to undertake to get what you wanted, especially when it comes down to processes that are very boring and administrative. Mm -hmm. That is a very useful one because just imagine you want to move house and you've got a whole list of companies that you have to give your new address to, right? I mean, yeah. you're really not waiting to call every single one of those companies and then have a customer contact center agent with the best intention that is going to try to delight you and wow you and congratulate you. Come on, you've got 49 <laughs> different other companies that you need to sort out. Wouldn't you like to be really helped quickly or self-serviced or anything else? So I'm always a big fan of that. But to my experience, the customer effort score, the SAS, is never the top metric. The top metric is either the CSAT, how satisfied were you, or the MPS, which okay. you recommend. Me, myself, I'm a huge fan of MPS. Uh, there is a reason I've got that whole MPS masterclass, so I can be careful because I can talk days about it. <laughs> Let's, like try and see, let's get a summary of this, so please. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. Yeah. No, I mean, the most intriguing part is MPS has got lovers and haters all around. Okay. And the very interesting bit here is that the haters usually hate MPS because it's a score. And they will find all sorts of ways to say, no, it's really bad and you can't capture that. And this is not a way to measure loyalty or the scale is off, et cetera, et cetera. But all the people that love MPS, me including, love MPS because of the system that's behind it, the thinking. You're turning your company, the mindset of your company towards customer loyalty. What can we do to retain our customers? And that in itself, despite the flaws that MPS as a score indeed has, but that mindset is very, very good. It really triggers everyone in the company in a very clear way. What can we do to keep our customers? So I would say, how do you capture insights? 
the very first metric to choose from is CSAT or MPS because it's such a different mindset. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Yep. But is there any other difference between CSAT and NPS? Yes. No, definitely there. There are multiple differences, but let me pick out another one, which I find intriguing as well. Okay. CSAT is looking backwards. It's asking you how the experience was and were you satisfied with the experience you have already had. So it's looking backwards, whereas MPS is looking forward. What will the customer do as a result of the experience? And that future mindset, too, gives a sense of control. It gives a sense of what else can we do to keep that customer with us? So I think that's a very, very interesting one. Okay, yep. Makes a lot of sense what you're saying. I like that, uh, you know, contradiction in terms of looking at the past, looking at the future. So how would you go about selling that to the organization then? How can you tell that story to demonstrate to the organization what CX can achieve? Design your story very, very consciously and don't ever make the mistake to tell the truth only. Don't ever make the mistake that if you just present the data, people will fold in and just believe it because that's not how it works. The storytelling bit, uh, let me break it down in three blocks. And this is something I learned from Forrester a while ago, and I think they're spot on with that one. They're saying you need three things to convince the board or the entire organization. The first thing is the logic, and that is where the data comes in. And okay, you are a CX professional when you're listening. You are a CX professional, so you've got your data, right? You've got a clear storyline, the rationale, why do we need to do this? Because it links to a strategy or because it's a trend and it offers an opportunity or the insights show us X, Y, or Z. So this is the logic. You nail that, I'm sure. The second thing is more interesting. It's authority. Why should they listen to you? And now most CX listeners will stumble because they probably are struggling to claim their position. If you present at the board or to a senior management, will they have heard of you? Can you be found when they Google you? Have you been writing blogs? Have you been featured in articles? Have you been uh, giving keynotes? Have you been on a podcast with Ken Coyne? So (laughs) all of those things, why should they believe you? You need to position yourself as an authority, as an expert. You really need to show you know more than they do. And if you are a beginner in CX, it doesn't mean it's a lost cause. Because you can still claim authority through others. And you do that, for instance, by quoting, I don't know, the usual suspects, Forrester, McKinsey, or KPMG has said X, Y, or Z, or The Economist, or uh, Harvard Business Review. They say that this is a smart move. You know, this is associative authority. You can just, if they say it, it will probably be true. But you need to add that aspect of authority. Then the third bit, because now you've had your logic, the clear rationale, then you've got your authority. But the third bit is the gut feel. 
And that is the hardest one. It needs to feel right for them. And trust me, I've been in situations where even the CRO, the chief risk officer, and the CFO, the chief financial officer, the two CXOs that are the most data-driven and linear thinking, I've been in situations where they tell me it feels right or it doesn't feel right. So even they need to be convinced. And how do you do that? With a hell of a story. And you really need to stay away from just delivering a functional A to B to C story. You need to bring in something, some some elements. And even if that is a trend or something that you see happening on the outside they didn't know, even that can turn it into a story that people will want to listen to. After you are gone, because they will be polite, after you are gone, they will weigh up, they will balance. What is the logic? Why would I believe him or her? And how did I feel about it? It's those three. If you nail those three, you're in. And also, how about the the number? I mean, it must come down to finance as well. Is that a big aspect of it? What value are you bringing in numbers terms? Yeah. Yeah, but that's the whole logic bit. That's where you get all the data, all the facts, uh, the clear storyline, the clear rationale. That's all that. And usually, that's not the hardest part. Although it's very difficult sometimes to add value and return on Mm. investment in CX. But still, it is harder to claim authority and even harder to make it a gut feel story. Okay. How about, you know, because I see CX now become the center of the organization because you're actually building out a product roadmap based on feedback in CX. You're adding the value to the sales team, to the marketing team. Your retention of the clients is via CX. You know, is that also, a, I mean, have you come across that and how is that built into the story? Oh, yes. Um, I mean, definitely. Um, more and more companies are realizing this. And CX is, it is one of the few departments nowadays, or at least uh, professions, that cover the entire organization. That makes it so hard, but that makes it also such an adventure because you have to connect with everyone from, like you said, from sales and account managers to the product roadmap, uh, the, the IT department, et cetera, et cetera. I do see that growing still, that CX is at the core of decisions. Okay, thanks, Jan. But you're, you're dealing with data a lot. You know, but how can you turn that into a story? You can turn everything into a story. That's the cool thing about storytelling. Let me give you an example. Um, okay. This is an example I would not advise using at the board, but this is an example that you, for instance, could use and you're free to steal it. Everyone, li- anyone listening, <laughs> just steal it. You can okay. use this at, uh, I don't know, at an event or when you're talking to a bigger audience to in the rest of the organization, for instance, or on a podcast. <laughs> but the fun thing about data is that you have to look beyond the data. That is a very key aspect of the storytelling and a very important aspect of dealing with CX and MPS. It's not about the data. They are just a means to an end. So what is the end? And what I like to tell is a story about a toaster you know a toaster okay. like in the morning you're in the kitchen yes. and the machine you put your bread on you know it's bread in it's that toaster 
there is an Australian company called Breville, and okay. they rock. They are absolutely so cool because they <laughs> launched a toaster that has got something really, really cool. So just imagine it's morning and you've put in your bread uh, to be toasted and at some time it pops out, right? Yes. And then you look at it and you think, it's just not crispy, crusty enough. It's just not golden brown. I want it just a bit more. And I don't know, you you push the paper down and you start fiddling around with, uh, you know, the heater. Should I turn up the heat yeah. or down or you're counting till five seconds or maybe <laughs> seconds, maybe 10 seconds. And then you press the button. So it's ejected again. And then it's still not good. You know, that is a perfect metaphor because what did Breville do? They realized that. And they realized we don't want to mess around with all sorts of numbers and data. They just okay. added a button that literally says a bit more. Ah, very cool. I think that is such a brilliant thing to yeah. do because I just want a bit more. That's exactly, exactly what I want. I don't yeah. care the, if it then turns up the heat or goes from five seconds or eight seconds, I don't care. It's exactly what I want. And this is a very much thinking from a human perspective, from a user perspective. What I actually, what I find very interesting, it's about, you know, communication and it's also about CX leaders really getting out there and telling the story. Cause I find a lot of CX leaders are just they're focused in house, focused just on their own function. They're not getting out there. They're not communicating that story. So they should be out there really presenting the story, but it sounds a bit regularly attending meetings, podcasts, whatever the case may be, but just, just constantly telling that story to yep. bring that to show the value they're, they're, they're adding to the organization. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I once was in a session and I asked everyone who considers themselves to be an expert, raise your hands. Okay. And no one raised their hand. So. I was really surprised at that because I then said, okay, if you don't even think you're an expert, how on earth are you going to make others think that you are an expert or a thought leader? Why should they come to you if you don't even say, I'm an expert about yourself? So usually CX professionals, I get emails from them and then I look at the signature and it says, I don't know, a program manager or something like it. If okay. you don't claim that position as a CX expert, a CX leader, well, it, that's where it starts, right? I mean, no yeah. one else is going to do it for you. And that's just a basic start. You have to start writing. You have to get your story out there. You have to do the rounds. And that is part of your role. If you're scared or nervous or you think, uh, oh, I suck at stage. Well, yeah, just you have to do it anyway. Yeah. And you know what? Talking about CX is absolutely great fun. It is so cool. It's so rewarding. Compare that with someone working at IT or yes. account management, whatever. Those stories are boring. <laughs> and here you are with all those cool stories about what's happening on the outside. What is the strategy? How are you going to translate that so you can keep customers in? How you can... Uh, bring more value from your customers, how you're going to convince the board to sign off a budget of uh, 2 million to build this case or that. It's immensely cool stories that you can tell, but you do have to tell them. 
Fantastic, yeah. Listen, I really enjoy talking to you. Uh, even the last conversations we've had over the last number of weeks it's been an absolute pleasure. For our audience, if they'd like to get in touch or learn a bit more about you, what's the best way? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure they can ping you. They can also go to my website. That's the easiest one. It's uh, Yap, which is J-A-A-P-Wilms.com, W-I-L-M-S. And hey, I'm always up for a coffee. I always like to meet new people. So yeah, go I for it. I to that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, much appreciated for your time today. It was a pleasure, Ken. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.